Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of February 9. In the news, EU Council President Charles Michel and Russian President Vladimir Putin enthusiastically congratulate Ilham Aliyev on his landslide victory. Armenia's president travels to Hungary for an official visit and Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan once again speaks about the need to change Armenia's constitution to remove the reference to the Declaration of Independence. This week, Azerbaijan held SNEP presidential elections and, as expected, Ilham Aliyev won a landslide, receiving 92.12% of the vote. And also, as expected, Aliyev received congratulatory messages, namely from Turkey, Russia, Iran, China, Belarus, Venezuela, Pakistan, and Central Asian countries. But not only. Right. Well, in a phone call with uh, Aliyev, Russian President Vladimir Putin said the election demonstrates nationwide support for Aliyev's line aimed at expediting the socioeconomic development of Azerbaijan and strengthening its positions on the international scene. Putin said Russia attaches great significance to allied relations with Baku. EU Council President Charles Michel congratulated Aliyev, extending best wishes for his new mandate. Michel said he discussed with Aliyev EU-Azerbaijan relations, including connectivity and energy, and had substantive discussion on Armenia-Azerbaijan normalization. Michel said he welcomed Azerbaijan's commitment to resume the Brussels trilateral meetings to advance a stable and prosperous South Caucasus. Well, Olivier Verheli, the EU Commissioner for Neighborhood and Enlargement, uh, also congratulated Aliyev. We continue to work together to connect our economies and people, he said. Well, French politician and former French Minister for European Affairs, Nathalie Loiseau, called out Charles Michel, tweeting, When your message of congratulations to Ilham Aliyev closely resembles the one sent by Viktor Orban, isn't there a small inner voice telling you that you could have chosen different words? In an unexpected turn of events, Maria, we're going to talk about Viktor Orban a lot for <laughs> our Week in Review uh, generally. Well, in a statement, the U.S. Embassy in Baku did not congratulate Aliyev and instead referred to the findings of the OSCE observers that the election occurred in a restrictive environment with a lack of genuine competition. It urged Azerbaijan to implement its commitment to fundamental freedoms and democratic processes. In their preliminary findings, the OSCE observers also noted the preparations for the election were marked by the stifling of critical voices and the absence of political alternatives. Maria, I was watching the Radio Free Europe coverage Mm -hmm. following the coverage of the elections and some words that were kind of like traumatic for for almost for me, like the carousel that we used to say, ballot staffing and, you know, all of these things, you know, administrative resources used. Uh, as they say, back nice memories. Huh? Yeah, as they say uh, in Armenian, Hedismana <laughs> Sadana, you know. <laughs> well, let's see, let's see. We can be very hopeful. Still about the elections, the European External Action Service, the EU's diplomatic service, issued a separate statement which noted that it was the election held across the entire territory of Azerbaijan. And uh, similar to the U.S. and the EU, it also referred to the findings of the OSCE observers, which said the election was held, as you said, Rubina, in a restrictive political environment, uh, curtailing fundamental rights and freedoms, including the freedom of assembly and expression and media. And they were referring also to the point that uh, Aliyev actually voted in Stepanagert, ethnically cleansed Stepanagert, 
in a place where he wasn't even officially registered. But then, you know, elections in Azerbaijan are like that. You can sort of, I guess, vote very wherever you want. And how many times, however many times you want, actually, <laughs> because that carousel was mentioned many times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. multiple voting. Well, the British ambassador congratulated Aliyev as well. He said the UK, as a close partner, encourages Azerbaijan to use this opportunity to conclude a peace agreement with Armenia. Well, uh, just a little bit of backstory here. Ilham Aliyev, for those who don't know, inherited inherited the presidency from his father, Haydar Aliyev, in 2003. Uh, Haydar had been president of Azerbaijan for 10 years, up to um, 2003. He had also been leader of Soviet Azerbaijan between 1969 and 1982. And in total, the Aliyevs have ruled Azerbaijan for 44 years. With no end in sight at this point. That's right. Aliyev's most successful challenger was Isa Gampar, who in the 2003 election received 15% of the vote. Ten years later, uh, in the last election when Aliyev had a real opposition candidate, it was Jamil Hassani, uh, he got only 5%. This is Aliyev's fifth term, which will last another seven years uh, until 2031. This is as established by the uh, constitutional changes in Azerbaijan uh, that happened in 2016, and by the then he will be 70. Earlier constitutional changes had abolished the limits to the number of presidential terms. And last weekend, Azerbaijani authorities arrested a Czech citizen who they claim crossed into Azerbaijan from Armenia, allegedly through the, quote, heavily mined areas of the border. He's being accused of carrying out espionage for the EUMA. This is the EU's uh, monitoring mission uh, in Armenia. Uh, No further details have been revealed about the arrest. The Czech ambassador to Armenia denied that the man had anything to do with the EUMA. I can only confirm that a Czech citizen was detained in Azerbaijan and remains in detention. He told Azadutun, saying that the Czech embassy in Baku is trying to get in touch with him. The identity of the men has not been revealed. The arrest came days after Baku leashed out against uh, Czechia's president of the Chamber of Deputies, this is their parliament, who said uh, in Yerevan that she will use all available levers to make Azerbaijan resume peace talks with Armenia. The EU ambassador to Azerbaijan called out Azerbaijani media outlets for publishing absolutely baseless allegations against the EU mission in Armenia. I underline that EUMA is a civilian unarmed mission and its mandate is to observe. The presence of the mission aims to contribute to stability and confidence building, he said, adding that the EU will continue its efforts to support a peace settlement between Azerbaijan and Armenia. And over the weekends, employees of the Azerbaijani Red Crescent Society visited uh, those Armenians remaining in Nagorno-Karabakh in Artsakh to assess their needs and familiarize themselves with their living conditions. Uh, It is estimated that currently there are uh, about 20 uh, Armenians who continue to live in Nagorno-Karabakh. And just for those who are just joining us, uh, Karabakh was uh, ethnically cleansed of over 100,000 people and only 20 people remain. And from what I I could see from the images, they're mostly elderly people who have just simply re- refused to leave uh, their homes and they continue to live in this ghost town and cities. It's 
I cannot even begin to imagine the psychological state they must be in, living in in such... Yeah, in a city completely emptied of its residents. Well, this week, Armenia's president, Vahagan Khachatryan, uh, was in Hungary for an official visit. This is the first high-ranking visit after the two countries restored diplomatic relations in, 2000, in 2022. Khachatryan met with Hungary's prime minister, Viktor Orban, and other Hungarian officials. Hungary has close ties with Azerbaijan that go back more than a decade. Orban has visited Baku on numerous occasions, first in 2010. Four years later, in 2014, Orban and Aliyev signed a joint declaration on strategic partnership. And just um, as a side note, Orban has been Prime Minister of Hungary since 2010, previously holding the office also from 1998 to 2002. He could be in competition with Aliyev pretty soon. Yeah, there's a small group of people who are <laughs> not leaving. And uh, yeah, it's a club. <laughs> Armenia cut off diplomatic ties with Hungary in 2012 after Budapest extradited Ramil Safarov, an Azerbaijani officer who had axed Armenian officer Gurgen Markarian to death in his sleep during a NATO training in 2004. He was convicted to life imprisonment by a Hungarian court. Upon arriving in Azerbaijan, however, following his extradition, Safarov was given a hero's welcome and immediately released. In protest, Armenia suspended its diplomatic relations and all official contacts with Hungary. Then President Serge Sarkisian stated this has happened because the government of Hungary, a member state of the EU and NATO, has made a deal with the authorities of Azerbaijan. Aliyev's advisor on foreign affairs admitted that the final agreement to extradite Safarov to Azerbaijan was reached when Orban visited Baku uh, in June of 2012. Though Hungary's foreign minister said it was unacceptable and expressed utter disapproval that Safarov received pardon in Azerbaijan, Orban personally defended the decision Hungary should follow its own interests rather than those of Armenia or Azerbaijan, he said. Years later, investigative journalists found that around the time of Safarov's extradition, more than $7 million was transferred to a Hungarian bank from an offshore company owned by the son of Azerbaijan's deputy prime minister. The first transfer of almost $500,000 was made in July of 2012. Hungary's foreign minister denied any connection between Hungary's foreign policy decisions and the money transfers. But it was rather convenient. Now, Orban's Hungary was the only EU member to explicitly back Azerbaijan's territorial integrity during the 2020 uh, Artsakh war instead of calling for a negotiated settlement. Under his leadership, Hungary has become an observer in the Turkic Council, which unites Turkey, Azerbaijan, and the Turkic-speaking Central Asian countries. In recent years, Armenia has attempted to build rapport with Hungary. In December of 2022, the two countries agreed to restore diplomatic ties and appointed non-resident ambassadors. This followed two good moves by Hungary a year earlier, including sending 100,000 COVID vaccines to Armenia and facilitating the repatriation of five Armenian prisoners of war from Azerbaijan. Hungary has continued to support Azerbaijan diplomatically in October following the forced displacement of the entire Armenian population of Artsakh. EU leaders contemplated how to respond. Hungary opposed any, quote, tough measures against Azerbaijan. On September 21, as Ar Artsakh Armenians were fleeing their homes, Hungary reportedly blocked an EU-27 statement on Nagorno-Karabakh. Hungary was also widely expected to block any potential talks of EU-wide sanctions 
for the ethnic cleansing. And this week during the parliament's Q&A session, Prime Minister Pashinyan again spoke about the need to change the constitution and remove the reference to the Declaration of Independence, saying Armenia cannot make peace with Azerbaijan as long as it's guided by that document. The declaration cited in a preamble to the current constitution refers to a 1989 Unification Act adopted by the legislative bodies of Soviet Armenia and then Nagorno-Karabakh Autonomous Oblast and calls for international recognition of the 1915 Armenian Genocide. Pashinyan denied opposition accusations that he wants to change the constitution on Aliyev's demand. He revealed a clause from the peace treaty agreed upon by both sides that the parties cannot refer to their own laws to avoid fulfilling any obligations under this treaty. According to the prime minister, this means that Azerbaijan has nothing to do with the constitutional reforms that he is proposing. Well, Pashinyan said that when Armenia joined the Alma-Ata Protocol on the establishment of the CIS in 1992, the general understanding was that it had done so with reservations. Those reservations were that it does not recognize Nagorno-Karabakh as part of Azerbaijan. However, the Armenian Prime Minister announced this week that after Armenia's parliament adopted the reservations that year, it was never submitted to an international depository, which means that Armenia's reservations do not have international legal force. He insisted that he has verified this multiple times. Yesterday, Armenia officially became became part of the International Criminal Court and Armenia's flag was raised at the ICC headquarters in The Hague. In his statement during the ceremony, Armenia's foreign minister, Arat Mirzoyan, said that in 2023, Armenia ratified the Rome Statute with a sincere belief in its high power to eliminate the most serious crimes and end impunity. He went on to say that the ICC's role in crime prevention and ensuring fair and impartial justice for peaceful resolution of conflicts is significant. He called out Azerbaijan for its unwillingness to resolve issues by peaceful means and its intent to proliferate war, hatred, and terror, the continued aggression against Armenia and occupation of its sovereign territories, and the ethnic cleansing of Nagorno-Karabakh. While in the Netherlands, Mirzoen also met with his Dutch counterpart and the Minister of Foreign Trade and Development Cooperation. As a reminder, Baku cancelled the Dutch foreign minister's trip to Azerbaijan because she had criticized Aliyev's statements threatening Armenia and called for for sanctions. In local news, two people died in an explosion that leveled two buildings in Yerevan's Nor-Aresh district. According to preliminary investigation, the blast was caused by a natural gas leak. The incident is being investigated for violating uh, fire safety rules. And uh, we have this small article series that we're still continuing. It's called The Modern Challenges of a Capital City. In part three, the author, Hranush Dermoyan, speaks about safety regulations yeah, in Yerevan. Which is something that has been a consistent problem. Well, on February 6, a contract serviceman was killed in a fire that broke out under unknown circumstances in a cabin near a combat position. There were no other casualties. An investigation is underway to fully clarify the circumstances of the incident. And, you know, in the past weeks, we've been speaking about these non-combat deaths uh, in the Armenian Armed Forces, and unfortunately, they continue. And prosecutors are investigating Infocom's publication about the dubious origin of civil contract donations collected during the September municipal election campaign. In Parliament, Pashinyan uh, declined to address the issue and denied any lack of financial transparency within his party. 
In an extensive article that was published last week, Infocom revealed that the bulk of donations civil contract received during the election campaign came from people who simply didn't have the means to make such large donations, but were linked to senior government officials and business people, as well as ordinary residents of Yerevan who could hardly afford such payments. And we'll see what happens with this. This week, former Army Alliance member, head of the Inzbirlian Medical Center, Armen Charchian, was sentenced to three years and seven months. He was accused of directing his staff at the Izmirian Medical Center to vote for the Armia Alliance. Back in October of 2023, Charjan resigned his seat in parliament, enabling Robert Kocharian's son, who was arrested at the time, to take up the vacant seat and be uh, released from custody. And Yerevan's former mayor, Haig Marutian, now part of the opposition in the in Yerevan City Council, was stripped of his mandate this week for having skipped most of the council sessions. Two members of the Maid Hayastan Alliance were also ousted from the city council for the same reason. Marutian announced that he is going to form a new party and participate in the 2026 parliamentary elections as a candidate for the uh, seat of prime minister. And uh, USAID will allocate one million dollars to meet the needs of Artsakh refugees. Uh, with this assistance, over 19,000 people displaced from Artsakh will receive primary humanitarian assistance through the Social Protection, Inclusion and Empowerment Program funded by USAID. Authorities have reported that by mid-December, 6,636 Ghadabagh Armenians had left Armenia. The number actually decreased to 6,433 by mid-January, despite worries of immigration among Arsakh refugees. And USAID has donated uh, to date a total of $9.2 million to Arsakh refugees. During this week's cabinet meeting, Economy Minister Vahang Yeropian spoke about the detention of his deputy, Ani Ispirian, and several other officials, criticizing law enforcement for, quote, paralyzing the work of the entire state system. He accused them of punishing people who did not steal any public funds. Well, he also said that cultural changes should be made to allow people to make mistakes sometimes. Uh, 64 lawmakers representing the ruling civil contract party petitioned prosecutors to release the three suspected from custody, including Alain Simonian's sister-in-law. Uh, most of these arrested were moved to house arrest or a freed pending investigation in the following days. Uh, and just as a reminder, last week we had reported that several employees of the economy ministry, including the deputy minister, were detained on corruption charges. And according to Armenia's investigative committee, they legally disqualified a, a private company from a procurement tender to ensure it was won by another bidder. So at this point, uh, the, the information is a little bit murky. Scarce, yeah, also. as always. But we'll be following this story uh, for sure. And the reconstruction of the Kajaran Agarak section of the North-South Highway began this week. Two Iranian firms will conduct the construction work, which entails that a 32-kilometer road will be constructed, as well as 17 bridges, two tunnels, with a total length of about 900 meters, including five interchanges. The project is scheduled to be completed within three years. I don't know. Should we hold our breath or not, Rubina? Because we don't seem to be really good at uh, infrastructure. But the North-South Highway project was conceived back in 2009. The Armenian government then estimated its cost at 1.5 billion U.S. dollars, which was more than half of Armenia's state budget for that year. 
Its aim is to expand and modernize the main highways, running more than 550 kilometers connecting Georgia and Iran, thus making landlocked Armenia a transit hub for Iranian freight shipments to and from Europe, and not only. Well, the first phase, uh, the least difficult in terms of terrain, was completed by the end of 2015 after three years of construction. It connected Yerevan with the nearby towns of Artashat and uh, Ashtarak. Thereafter, difficulties with funding and general mismanagement delayed the project for years. In late 2018, the Spanish company building a section northwest of Yerevan pulled out of the project. Armenian law enforcement began a wide-range investigation into corruption around the project in 2019, among others. Levon Sarkisian, the brother of the former president, Ser Sarkisian, was charged with money laundering. The entire section connecting Yerevan and Gyumri, the second largest city, uh, is now under construction. The costliest section of the project is in the southern Sunik region with its rugged uh, terrain. Between Sisian and Kajaran, 27 bridges and nine tunnels are planned to be built, including Armenia's longest tunnel at 8.7 kilometers long, passing under the Barkushat Mountains. And this week, Iran's ambassador to Armenia reiterated Tehran's support for Armenia's territorial integrity and the strengthening of Armenia and the establishment of peace and stability. He also welcomed the Crossroads of Peace project presented by Pashinyan as it is about maintaining peace and stability in the region and respecting the territorial integrity and sovereignty of regional countries. We consider Armenia's position logical and consistent with international norms, he said. And Armenia delivered 10 tons of humanitarian aid, mostly medical supplies, to one of Ukraine's main military hospitals. Yerevan had delivered the first batch of humanitarian aid uh, to Ukraine back in September. September of 2023. And Maria Zakharova said this week that Armenia and Russia are still allies and have obligations towards one another, including ensuring territorial integrity, sovereignty, and security. Well, you know, I think uh, one of these days our podcast producer has to edit together all of your comments about Maria Zakharova and maybe send it to her. And she's giving us the thumbs up. But nonetheless, uh, in all seriousness, this is what she said. Our countries continue to be partners and we hope that the Armenian authorities will take all that into account amidst the current geopolitical changes. She said, adding that Yerevan is also under collective security guarantees of the Collective Security Treaty Organization, the CSTO, including in the event of military aggression. She also emphasized that there is a legal document between Russia and Armenia in the fields of security and military technical cooperation. How short does Russia believe our memory is? <laughs> like they think it's like Swiss cheese. HSBC is selling its Armenia operations to the local Archin Bank after operating for nearly, for nearly 30 years in the country. In an official statement, HSBC Bank Armenia cited the strategy to redeploy capital from less strategic or low connectivity businesses to higher growth opportunities globally. And finally, Iraqi Kobaritse was elected as Georgia's new prime minister yesterday and uh, Nikol Pashinyan, the prime minister, was the first to congratulate him. And just to wrap up and go over some of the articles that we published this week, starting with uh, our uh, monthly uh, security briefing called EVN Security Report. This was for January of 2024, and it was called Why the Aliyev Regime Prefers Warfare, a Rationalist Modeling of War. This was written by the author, Dr. Nerses Kopalian. Um, and uh, we also did um, follow that up with a, a podcast, conversation, a conversation yes. every, every month. Yeah, called Examining the Context. 
context where we sort of delved a little bit deeper into what the rationalist model for war is and how it offers a window into the causal explanations for the Aliyev regime's two decades of preparation and subsequent preference for war, what accounts for the 25 years of policy failures and inchoate decision-making by Armenia's leaders. So uh, here's a, a little clip uh, from that conversation. This rational explanation of war has been one of the more uh, dominant and complex explanatory mechanisms and frameworks used to explain war. We use game theory to understand this. We use risk-benefit analysis to understand this. So the argument here is that uh, what Aliyev is doing is driven by a very acute rational process, that the decisions that he's making are actually very well calculated. And within that domain, preferring war is in his strategic interests. He prefers war as a rational calculation that suggests he will have more benefits with respect to the risks. Therefore, whatever the costs may be associated with war, these are deemed to be beneficial for Aliyev. And in that context, this is a preferable rational alternative to peace. And Maria, security has been a bulk of our content this week, as sometimes often <laughs> is the case. Well, and yet another discussion on self-defense and security, David Khachatarian's uh, article I'm talking about, Cyber Operations and International Law. He talks about the significance of cyber operations in providing nations with additional means to project power, exert influence, and secure strategic advantages, and also looks at the contemporary nature of conflicts in this digital age and their adherence to the foundational principles established by the UN. Uh, he's a lawyer. He has three degrees, yes. three master's degrees, uh, the last two being from the Uppsala University uh, in investment treaty arbitration and the most recent one from the Swedish Defense University in international operational law. And not straying far from the subject of security, uh, Gaitz Minasian, he's back on the pages of EVM Report. We talked about him again last week. He wrote an article, Can the West Be a Reliable Partner for Armenia? Part one discusses Armenia's what he calls huge strategic shift toward the West that it took two years ago. However, he points out that the question of the reliability of the partnership with Americans and Europeans still remains unresolved. Just as a reminder, Guides is a journalist at Le Monde and a doctor in political science. He lectures at Sciences Po Paris in international relations and is an associate expert at Seri Sciences Po Paris. Well, in case people were wondering what we're doing, maybe a little explanation. We decided to kind of change up the week in review. Give in, in, in today's case, we talked about Hungary and the history of Armenia-Hungary relations. We also had a lot of another package on uh, Ilham Aliyev and the Aliyev's family. Yeah. And so do a lot of background stories, not really about, and also represent what, present, talk about what we've published that week, because mm -hmm. that's not unrelated to, no, uh, to the developments. Well, speaking of which, uh, we also published Diklan Gavian's summary of historian and former diplomat Girard Libaritian's recently published collection of texts uh, examining the reasons behind the moral, military, and intellectual defeat of the Armenian elite in the context of uh, three issues, and these three issues that 
uh, are discussed are the contemporary history of the Republic of Armenia, the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, and Armenia-Turkey relations. Yeah, the article is called Can Armenia Be Independent? And Yegavin explains the title in the article. He writes, while Libaridian doesn't ask this question explicitly, the book reflects on two key principles, responsibility and sovereignty. And Armenia's statistics agency, Armstead, recently released its annual report on a number of socioeconomic metrics that cover everything from trade to tourism and from employment to inflation in Armenia. You can find some of the more interesting findings reflected in uh, in this report in uh, our article, The Growth and Trade Slow Inflation Eases Armenia's Economy in 2023. Also this week, we published a joint investigative piece in collaboration with the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, OCCRP. Our staff writer, Hovanes Nazaretian, worked with journalists from HETC and CivilNet and uncovered that several UK properties owned by the sister of Armenia's former president, Armin Sarkisian, are held through opaque offshore companies. And that's also on our website on the And just page. a reminder, Armin Sarkisian resigned yeah. because of a similar investigation mm-hmm. into his citizenship uh, by HETC. Mm-hmm. And lastly, uh, hopefully a breather from the heavier articles of the week, we today just uh, have published an unpublished letter that Zabel Yesayan had written to Armenian-American artist Hofsep Pushman, which the author of the article recently discovered in the archives of uh, her grandmother, who was a literary scholar. The letter reveals the depth of Yesayan's introspection and emotionality and is published in Armenian as well as an English translation on our website for the first time ever. It was a very cool experience to read a letter that they knew existed. It's not like it was all of a sudden discovered, but it's not... It wasn't it, lost. It was just yeah. omitted. Yeah. Uh, and we found a reason to publish it because it really shows this other side to Zabel Yesayan. Mm-hmm. It's not about her end or her suffering in in Soviet Armenia. Uh, it's about the beginning of her journey to Soviet Armenia. Actually. Yes, a little bit about that, but also kind of how she feels, how she thinks, how she processes things. Right. It's a little bit more about that. Yeah, very intimate and very interesting. So, yeah, um, I'm sure a lot of people will enjoy reading that article. And that's the kind of week that we've had here in Armenia. Thank you for listening. Have a safe and peaceful weekend. And we will be back again next week. Thank you.